everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Benedict Arnold. That is not nice. Well, you're the one who traitored me and, <laughs> and decided not to post it because you want to surprise me. And I know this is not, this has not historically, over like 12 years we've been doing this show, and it's never been a John Wick vengeance podcast until today. I know it's because you were in the coaching seat last week, and now... You want to get me back, uh-huh. and so you. You've, but uh-huh, you're saying yes. Yes, you're it's true. Be, but this uh. is your fault. This is not my <laughs> fault. I did not encourage this. I went in yesterday to work on the outline for today's show, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I go in there, and there's this like oh, Nikki. I was meeting with my friend, and he and he wants your help, and I want your help too. And this is the situation. And then Melissa chimes in and says, "Oh my God, hundred percent agree. I need help with this too. So you're getting the help that you need, but I'm not giving so, you um, any kind of." chance to you know to think about the answers we need to have answers that are just coming up for okay you and All not right. so this is a podcast yeah. that's going to be dedicated to long stretches of silence <laughs> of, of <laughs> contemplative silence no it's going to be wonderful All i believe right. in well you. I, uh, I i we have some setup to do first and you know how to do that mm-hmm. uh, head over to take control adhd.com to get to know us a little bit better you can listen to the show there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list each time a new episode is released, we're going to send you an email and let you know that it's there. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But you know what? Just come on over to the Discord server, the uh, Take Control ADHD Discord server. You can sign in at TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord, and you will be whisked over to the invitation and log in. Uh, If you've never used Discord before, it'll guide you through signing up for the first time. If you do already have a Discord account, you can jump into our server and see the public channels. And if you really want to check out what's going on behind the curtain, uh, head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. If you sign up for a few bucks a month, you'll be absolutely supporting the show and supporting the work we're already doing on the podcast, which is huge. But you'll also get access to the members-only channels on Discord. If you connect those two accounts, you'll get, I, I don't know, what are there? Seems like two dozen more channels that are hanging out in there, depending on tiers. Uh, and you can you can hang out there and, and, you know, get a sense of how other people live with their ADHD and get help and support and kindness and jokes and memes and all the great things. Uh, that you might want from a community. It's really a fantastic place. So uh, check it out, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. And Nikki, you know what this week is. It's my favorite week of the month. Are you ready? You know, I just had this terrible thought. What's that? I think I missed your birthday. You didn't, but now it's an even more terrible thought. When is your birthday? Because you didn't know you didn't miss my, you missed my birthday. No, I think, birthday. I, I think I did miss your birthday. When would you have missed my birthday? It's in November. Yes, it is. That's true. You nailed it. See, you're already crushing life today. No, but I know, but I feel horrible. When is it? It's not yet. As we record it. <gasps> okay, good. It's not yet. You're okay. Wait, you but are, is that oh, why you're, you're so okay. excited about this week? Is because it's no. your birthday? No. Oh. As of by, by the time the public listens to this, my birthday will have passed. I will have become uh, an even senior citizen. Mm. 
but I'm really excited because I get to talk about Text Expander, which is what I use. Okay. Which is what I will use to send you a grouchy, you missed my birthday note. Right. When you don't, I don't do that. But it is one of my very favorite invisible tools in my tool tech tool chest. Uh, so a reminder of how it works. If there is a piece of text that I type more than once at all, it's a signal that I need to add it to Text Expander. I keep my most used emails, phrases, text messages, URLs, and more right in my Text Expander library. A snippet in Text Expander can include anything, text, links, images, code, account numbers, contact, you know, addresses, phone numbers, anything you want. And the trick is for each one of those snippets in my library, I assign a unique abbreviation. So just a couple of characters on the keyboard. When I type those characters, it replaces those characters with the text that is assigned to it from the library. So when I type uh, uh, semicolon DS, that is date stamp. And I use that more than anything else because it just gives me today's date. Anywhere I type, I type today's date. I use semicolon EM for my email address. Anytime anybody asks for my email address, I don't have to type my email address. So that's just the basics. You can even get your uh, entire team or family access to all the content they need with a shared snippet library. You can organize it by department or group and make sure that all your snippets are used consistently wherever they're needed. Now, this month's text expander tip goes out to all monopolists. Y'all, if you're writing long form text at all, if you're writing books, if you're writing technical manuals, if you're writing a thesis or a term paper, please do yourself a favor and get yourself set up on Text Expander. Take a half hour to put all of your characters, terms of art, technical jargon, all of that in Text Expander and just set the trigger for each one to the first few characters of the word. Then you have a custom autocomplete with your words, fictional words, technical words, whatever it is. I'm just wrapping up my 20th National Novel Writing Month myself and having all the crazy spellings of character names that I created on page 20. They are still going strong and spelled right on page 200. It saved me real time. With Text Expander, it is just so easy and it's available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And for listeners of the ADHD podcast, you can get 20% off your first year of service. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash TextExpander, and you'll be whisked over to our page on their site where you can get started. Again, if you get started now, you'll save 20% off your subscription. They're great people. The way we work is changing rapidly. Make work work the way your brain works by saying more in less time and with less effort using Text Expander. Our great thanks to the Text Expander team for sponsoring the ADHD podcast. Okay, Nikki, let us begin. Yes. I'm ready. I am centered. I am at peace. Good, good. Well, why don't you share with what you wrote in the podcast notes? Okay, well, so all of this starts because I have a weekly lunch with my dear friend, Dr. Dodge. He's been a guest on this show. He lives, uh, he's, he's told us his story before. He does also live with ADHD and he is a, uh, a psychoanalyst. And he had this question about, uh, about task quadrants because he thinks very much in task quadrants. This is kind of an Eisenhower matrix thing, right? Where you have urgent and important, important but not urgent, not urgent, not important. Uh, and I think there, there's the fourth one, but my brain is not tracking the four quadrants right this second. So the deal was this. When you have quadrant two tasks, tasks that are, are important, but they are not urgent, 
if there are any urgent and important tasks, quadrant one tasks that are unresolved, it's impossible to focus on the important ones, right? On the quadrant two. If, if quadrant one is open at all, quadrant two is not addressable. The problem is maybe you've already done your part on the urgent and important ones, on the quadrant one tasks. Maybe you've already sent the email that you need to send. And now the work, the attention is in somebody else's quadrant one, right? Not yours anymore. The issue is he's the way Dr. Dodge talks about it. It's very challenging to let go of quadrant one if it is unresolved. Your attention is still fractured on that thing that you can't do anything about, right? And I, he said this and it just hit me. I am, I suffer from this too, all the time. If there is a, and it's not even urgent and important tasks. It's, let's say I'm editing a podcast and I have to render it out. Now it takes, I have a pretty fast computer, but it still takes minutes on long shows. And those minutes, I have to just sit and stare at the progress bar. I can't go check, you know, my email. I can't, I just, I find myself really fighting to say, okay, let that process run right now. I'm going to turn my attention here because there's nothing I can do about this other thing. Or a video project. Those take much longer to, to render out when I'm finished with them. I can't just sit and let that go. My attention demands to be paid to the progress bar, right? To the ticking clock. That is very, very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so Dodge and by extension myself, I'm wondering what you have to say about that. And Melissa, too, because she and weighs Melissa in. Melissa, too. Yes. Yeah, and actually, yeah, that's right. Melissa weighed in. Uh, I 100% suffer from this recently. I have just had to walk away from my desk altogether because I know if I stay, all I'm going to do is think about that thing that needs to be done that I can't do anything about, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to just point out sort of the key, you know, what I'm hearing. And then what I want to do is ask some questions. Um okay engage in the conversation. And then I'm going to actually go back and kind of explain what, why I asked what questions I did, because mm -hmm. I want people to be able to kind of walk away um, from the show of maybe what are some questions they can ask themselves when they come, you know, into this situation. Right. So mm -hmm. basically if I'm hearing you right, the priority tasks, the things that are urgent and important they're not completed yet, but there isn't anything you can do about it. They're pending. Correct. Right? Correct. Um, and you're saying, and two other people are saying, it's impossible to focus on important and not urgent tasks right now. You can't focus on anything else that is on your list that would move projects, other projects forward. Right? Correct. Okay. So this is what's happening in the ADHD mind. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the explanation of, of why this is happening. Important and not urgent tasks are absolutely the worst ones for ADHD. Okay. So you're already looking at your option is to go from something that is pending that you can't do anything about, which doesn't feel comfortable, to go into a a uh, stack of tasks that are also really not comfortable because there's not yes. that sense of urgency, 
right? Right. The other thing that's happening is time blindness, where you have the things that are now and not now. And so your brain immediately is going to focus on the now. And those tasks that aren't important or that are important but aren't urgent are not now. They're not now tasks. So again, now you're asking yourself to go into something that really doesn't mean anything to you right now. Right. Right. And then the motivation uh, is driven, you you know, well, internal and external motivation for ADHD. If it's just internal motivation, it can still be very difficult to start things. So, again, these tasks that aren't important, there is no external deadline or any kind of motivation for you to even get started. Uh, You're still thinking about the unresolved stuff. So this is where anxiety Mm -hmm. likes to pop its head with your ADHD mind, especially Mm -hmm. if it's something that has a lot of emotion. What if you're waiting to hear back from a coworker on what they think about what you just gave them or a Mm -hmm. client? Or, you know, there's some kind of fear possibly that's wrapped around what you have to leave and wait for. So we're dealing with all of those emotions as well. Could be anything. Mm -hmm. And now we're ruminating, right? We love to ruminate us anxiety people, (laughs) you know, and you keep thinking about all of those things. And then really what's happening, too, is the black and white thinking you've already made a choice that I can't do this when this happens. So you're leaving yourself with no options. Yes. Except stasis. Right. So those are the very, when, when I read this, the, the word, the two words that popped out were impossible and can't. So you're saying, and to other people, that it is impossible to focus and I can't, I I can't focus. It's impossible. I can't do it. How does that feel to you when you hear that back? Well, crappy, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this is, this is a head and a heart separation, right? Like I have internalized that, that belief system for so long, or I should say I've internalized it, but haven't spoken about it clearly for so long that. Um, I can know what the behavior outcome is. I know that I just sit there. I can just sit there and stare at stuff and and wait for the Q1 tasks to come back around and have it be my turn again um, without thinking about the fact that I have so limited my experience with the Q2 tasks, right? Like those two things are completely separate because all of my attention is focused on the Q1 tasks, not on the fact that I'm actually ruminating about Q2 tasks and not and not having that presence of mind to be aware of it. If we go back to, I've really been thinking about uh, with Dr. Rozier, that, there, that, that aligning a behavior, the behavior character alignment, right? Like my behavior it would seem to indicate that I am somebody who is too single focused to be able to let go of one thing and has too much emotional attachment to this one thing that I can't focus on another thing. And that's not the person I want to be, right? I want to be the person who can be flexible and adaptable and um, open to change 
And that's not what my behavior is saying. And I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about that. Like, what is it? Um, you know, what is the, the behavior? Like, like for your example was, I want to be a good mom. I want to be seen as a good mom. And for me, I want to be seen as somebody who is, um, productive and flexible and, the behavior needs to align to that. And I get stuck, so stuck sometimes in this stuff is urgent and important. I need to be responsive at a moment's notice that it actually prevents me from being adaptable and flexible. And as you say, start ruminating about it. That's interesting. So the feeling when you're when I go back and, and talk to you about the absolute wording, you're saying it feels crappy. What you want to mm-hmm. feel is you want to be more flexible. You want to have that behavior f- m- match more of how you want to feel. Correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so sure. now that it's out in the open, what do you want to do with this? Well, I want to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but what what does fixing look like to you? Um, you know, it's interesting because I when I think about what fixing looks like, the practical, well, let's say the emotional application of fixing is that I am I'm able to disconnect my emotional experience with all the quadrants of tasks, right? And what that would mean is, I don't feel so allegiant to urgent and important tasks. And on the other end of the spectrum, I don't feel allegiant or guilty about tasks that I've delegated and can't let go of, because that's kind of the other expression of this is there are tasks that are not urgent and not important. And I delegate them or I tell I I figure out a way to get them done or I put them in my not do list. But how do I let go of the um, of the fractured attention that is still paid to those tasks, right? It's the same. It, it feels like the same trigger. It's it's the it's the stuff that I I feel bad about not doing, or I feel bad about not doing myself, or I feel bad about not not being able to be completely tied to these urgent and important tasks on the other end, and I get burned out because all I'm doing is thinking about those. And then the middle tasks, uh, the Q2 tasks, are the ones that I I I want to be able to approach without the emotion tied to uh, tied to it. I think that's it. I think as I wander around my words here, I think that's the that's the nut of it. I I want to be build a practice around separating emotion from the work. Okay. So you want to separate emotion around the work. So what does that leave you then? What options does that leave you when you think of it that way? So this is what you want. And now mm-hmm. you're in this situation and you're noticing that you're getting pulled into the impossible. What does it, what does it mean to separate emotion from the work for you? Like how, how do you, how would you do that? Well, I don't know how, but I can kind of put myself in a feeling of, of what it would, uh, of what it would feel. Like. Okay. What would if it I'm feel empathetic like? With, if I'm empathetic with future Pete, right? Yeah. If I put myself in a position of being able to give future Pete a high five, then I am I'm working on a task and let's say it's it's probably has something to do with taxes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably sure. something like paying real estate tax or, or property tax or something like that. I mean, there's there's something that I'm waiting for some um, you know, word that something was received or I don't know. It's it's probably something significant like that. That I'm able to take that task 
and finish it to a degree that my effort is done on it and then put it away. And that means both not looking at it on my task list, so using my systems in such a way that I can make sure that it it will come up as a reminder later because it was urgent and important, but also that it has been demoted from my attention. That is, I think, the, the term, demoting it from my attention. I need it to fall out of my buffer because that's the that's the part I still feel when I try to turn my attention to quadrant two tasks. I still feel guilty about not being completely finished about the quadrant one task, and I have to be able to cut that tie. That's what it would feel like, that I've, that I've cut the emotional tie from, from work. So cutting the emotional tie from the urgent task, there's guilt there. You you mentioned the word guilt. What are you, mm-hmm. what, where is that guilt? What is that feeling coming from with the urgent Letting one? somebody down, right? Letting somebody who's counting on me down. But in this um, situation, we're actually waiting for somebody to get back to mm-hmm. you or something, right? It's the potential of letting somebody down, right? That's really it. It's somebody who comes back to me and says, hey, you know, um, did you do that thing? Yes, I did. Okay, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting for response because I want to be able to act quickly. And I need everybody involved in this urgent and important task to know that I'm waiting and I'm ready. And that is, and and I recognize in my head, that's not a realistic position to take, right? I I can't be wedding, ready and waiting for everyone's urgent and important tasks, right? Um, and the truth of the matter is, my assessment of their ur- of, of urgent and important tasks is probably not even the same as the other party that is that I'm dealing with, right? They're, they might see it as important, not urgent. They might see it as not urgent and not important at all, which is why I'm doing it in the first place. I just tie so much of that to reputational alignment that I want I want anyone I'm working with to know that I'm thinking about them <laughs> all the time. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that that um that 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 is a thing that I I feel like I struggle with. And yeah, I, I does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to take off the coaching hat and just talk to you as, you know, co-podcast host, right? Because yeah, what's sure. so interesting about that is um, I'm really, I don't know, and this is just a personal opinion. I don't know if it's realistic to actually cut out the emotions from how we feel about our tasks. Like, mm-hmm. I know that that's what you would want. And, but it's so interesting to hear you talk about where that guilt is coming from and how you want to be there for everyone. And you want everyone to know that you're here and ready for them and you're thinking about them, but that's also not a true, uh, situation because like you right. you even said I don't even know if this is important to them so you're making mm-hmm. up the story in your mind about why you should feel guilty and then that is that anxiety that's creeping up that's making you stop being able to focus on anything else and it's a black and white um kind of thought pattern when we really say to ourselves I can't or this is impossible it limits yes. everything. It limits all options, right? And so if that was true, then you would just be staring at the rendering thing. And that's what you would be doing all day. But we know that's not true in every situation. 
Right. So it's also going back to that limiting belief and saying, is this true in every single situation when I'm waiting on a task that I can't do anything else? Probably not. And you also have to ask yourself, are you avoiding specific green, or I, I, I'm sorry, I said green tasks because that's what we call them in GPS. But mm-hmm. um, are we avoiding that important, not urgent task? And we're using the idea that I can't focus to continue avoiding. Right. 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 So we have to really start asking ourselves some questions here. If you really want to feel different than crappy, Mm -hmm. then, and you don't want to just settle for this, like this is not comfortable. I don't want to settle for it. Then we really have to start asking ourselves some questions of, well, what are the options? What do you want? Is Mm -hmm. it realistic to take emotion out of tasks? I haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah. And I think I I actually I think it's probably not the right word Mm -hmm. because taking emotion out of task to me also implies that I don't care about the the work. And that's not true. Categorically not true. Right. I wouldn't take on the work if I didn't find a way to care about it. Right. That's the emotion. Um, Isn't it interesting, though, Pete? That it's so interesting how I perceive that, because when we talk about emotion and you said take out the emotion, I immediately think take out the negative emotion, but you keep all of the the beautiful emotion Mm -hmm. there, right? Like the Mm -hmm. caring and wanting to help people and really doing a service. And it's so interesting because when I take when I when I see that, I think, oh, take out the negative. Yeah. Yeah. And which is good. Yeah. That's a good assumption to make. I just feel like I need to say it out loud. Yeah. Because it's not an assumption that I make. And and because I'm not like a robot person. And right. you know, it would be so easy to if I were a robot person and could just turn flip a switch and turn it off. I think what I'm what I'm talking about specifically is the emotion around um deadline, right? Mm-hmm. The emotion around deadline and recognizing that deadlines do exist in the world. And I have to live according to deadlines in many re- respects with the things that I do every day. And not and, and if I put too much of that kind of emotion, right, that is what turns into guilt and shame when I'm running slow or when I'm not able to get things on time or when things are out of my control. And that's what we're talking about, right, is that that being in being in control of my uh, uh, of my Q1 tests when I'm actively working on them, as soon as I hand them off, I'm out of control and my brain doesn't know what to do. So that would be a really good time to add a little bit of buffer time in your schedule yep. because you're transitioning. So this mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Uh, I, I, this is the stuff that just fascinates me. And this is why I love answering questions from people rather than just talking about stuff, because it really is also about transition. And it didn't really dawn on me until we started talking about it. You're, you're transitioning from a task that you've been working on. You care very much about it's a high priority. And now you need to transition into what do I do next? And that's where Mm -hmm. the issue is coming. So it's not necessarily that you can't focus on the not, you can't focus on other tasks necessarily. It's just, you need maybe some transition time to process where you are with this urgent task and to give yourself, you know, to give yourself some space to transition transition into something different. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I maybe. I think in practice, 
buffer time is is solid, but there is this this sort of man. I keep coming back to the emotional connection, right? The negative emotional connection, being able to let that go, because I think the the reality is that I can distract myself with other activities fine, but there is a a, a yo-yo effect. I wonder if others kind of feel this way about these tasks, that there's this yo-yo effect of tasks that are in limbo, mm -hmm. that are urgent and important, where even when I've distracted myself, the yo-yo keeps coming back to the to 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 my mind when it it really should my my mind really is working hard to be attentive to a new thing. Mm -hmm. And Ha you know, giving myself enough buffer time to transition is useful, but doesn't really address the the bottom line, which is I my attention is fractured and I don't know I don't know how to bring it back to center. And I really and I don't I don't want this to be like a thing where it's just like, oh, Pete's throwing up roadblocks to everything you suggest. No, I'm no, just no, trying no. to make sure I zero in. I and I think that it's important to recognize the context of what what we're doing or what we are mm -hmm. walking away from. Because I think that in some situations, it's going to be easier to say, okay, I'm going to wait for Nikki to get back to me. It's not a big deal. I can move on. But then there might be something else that means more. And then that's when it's really more stuck, right? So I don't think that this yeah. happens. I, I just want to, I don't believe this happens all the time with every single thing that you're pending, right? So we have no, to, no, we have, especially because I don't spend my time in Q1. Like there yeah. are, it's, it's really like, even when we sort of task rationalize, I spend most of my time in the not urgent, important category right. at all, right? Like that's, that's where I spend my days. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I think the buffer time is more than just time to, oh, let's take a walk or let's, you know, I mean, all these things that we talk about, right, that are really good. Don't get me wrong. You got to do those things. Yeah. But I also think it gives you some time to uh, maybe just check in with yourself. How am I feeling right now? How am I feeling yeah. about this task? How, if I am feeling like this is really, you know, hi, I'm hyper-focused on it, I really feel like I can't focus on anything else, then is it okay to stop working that day? What's right for you in this moment? Okay. So walk through that. One of the things I, I learned about this book, 4,000 Weeks, and just in doing my own work with planning and to-do lists and everything. You're talking about the Oliver Burke. Yeah. I think you mentioned it. Oh, in, in the pre-show. Pre yeah. So, yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing is we, a lot of my clients and, and you're doing this today too. You're fighting with yourself all day long. And so what happens if we stop fighting this and and start just like embracing that this is where I'm at right now. I'm really stressed about this and I'm going to be leaning into that and letting go of any high expectation that I have of myself that's just not realistic. So, uh, you know, I want to bring this back to um, uh, he's not here, so it's not really fair. But since he asked the question, sure, <laughs> Dr. Dodge. I've seen his his calendar. 
right? I've seen what it looks like. And he is a very busy therapist. And he is working all day into the night with groups, with individual people. And so one of the things that I know comes out of that is this is this desire to be as as close to 100% present as he can to other people. And I think you face the same thing, right? When you're working with individual mm-hmm. clients, like a desire to be 100% present or as close to it as you can, as is rational, yeah. for other people. And I'm wondering how, like when you add that to it, right? When you can't say, okay, I got to step up and walk away what what it really is is uh, okay i got to i got to find a way to let go of this thing that is occupying 97% of my current capacity and and shift all of that to this person who expects me to be attentive to what to their q1 right to their emotional q1 uh and and that i think is the gap and that i think is the thing that we're that we're facing Right, which is sometimes buffer time does it. I think you you said I think the thing that that resonates the most with what you said is you're fighting yourself, like figuring out how to how to stand up emotionally and and stop beating, uh, stop fighting against yourself and your own sense of awareness. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to step up and walk away from the office. It just means you have to be aware that you're fighting yourself. Uh, I've always, you know, I use all the time as my favorite thing to to say about myself is who am I lying to right now? Well, maybe the the sort of corollary is who am I fighting right now? Who am I resisting right now? What is the resistance that I'm I'm feeling here? That's a that's and it, it may be that I'm resisting. I'm fighting letting go because there is there's some place, maybe some bit of inner shame that says, hey, if I really cared about this task, I wouldn't just send it to whoever is, you know, electronically send it to whoever needs to do work on it next. I'd get in the car and I'd drive there and I'd put it in front of them and I'd say, you do this thing right now because it's urgent and important. And that's the that's the, I want to be known as a guy who would go to those links, even though those links are not rational. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's that space. And I know you don't like the word buff. I'm getting the sense you don't like the word buffer time. (laughs) And so it's giving your yourself the space to ask yourself those questions. How am I feeling right now? Who am I fighting right now? What do I really want out of this? Do I want to do those green or those uh, important uh, non-urgent tasks, or maybe it's okay for me to be done with the day. Uh, so what do I really want? What's in my control right now? What's true? What, what's coming up for me? And then what are my options? So I'm stuck here at the end of the road. Am I going left, right, or straight or going backward? Mm -hmm. Like you get Mm -hmm. to choose that. And if you want to feel differently than what you're feeling right now, what does that look like? And that does not mean that you have to do one of those important, not urgent tasks. We got to get rid of the should. But it does mean that you have to become accustomed to waiting. Oh, for sure. But that's life. Right. 
That's life. Of course it's yeah, life, but isn't yeah. that the problem, right? Yeah, isn't that yeah. the problem? But that's, that's what I mean, but that's issue. also what you're coming to terms with. And something yeah. about this book that really um resonated with me is that you know, we all have a hundred tasks to do. Of course, yeah. It's never going to go away. We're never going to get caught up. We're never going to not have anything to do. But what we do have is choices. We have choices mm -hmm. and they're hard. Right. And when you have to wait, that's hard. But that is how you cope. And it is how yeah. you move on and move along. Right. So is waiting hard? You bet. But I still have to do something with this minute, this hour. What do I want that right. to look like? Right. And how do I how do I maybe ease the waiting? by distracting myself or doing something else, whatever that is for you. Right. But I think it's, um, it's making also the hard choices of, I can only do one thing at a time. And right. what is most important to me right now? And can I let go of the shame and, uh, frustration of not getting to all the other tasks? Can we let go yeah. of that emotion? Yeah. And, you know, something that someone said to me um, in GPS this last week that I thought was wonderful is she said that I gave her a sense of freedom when I suggested that she stopped trying to estimate how long things were going to take her. Mm -hmm. And she said, as, as soon as I stopped trying, it actually felt a lot better to do time blocking. Yeah. And that's that, as it turns out, is the secret to time blocking. Yeah. Don't try to estimate how Stop how long things are going to take. But that's yeah. the thing is that, you know, I mean, I think that it, it's really connecting with your emotions. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily ignoring them or pretend that there's not a connection or not a, you know, real connection between how you feel and doing the task, but really connecting with them and feeling, you know, what do I what do I want to do with this? I think there's a I, I so I I hear that and I think you're right and I I think that probably what I mean is figuring out what emotions are exist in that bubble called resolution mm -hmm. because that's what allows me to move on from a given thing is that I've resolved it to the best of my ability and and I think maybe that's the open question is stopping at the end of a big urgent and important task and saying have I resolved this to the very best of my ability. Is this good enough? At this time. Is this good enough yeah. right now? Yeah. Can I let this go right now? Is it good enough? Because the problem yeah. with complete resolution is if you have any kind of perfectionism tendencies, that is going to overtake your thinking. Right. But as soon as you as you add to the best of my ability right now, yes. then, it's then good enough. you are allowed to move on. And I think that's yeah. the that's the when I think through examples of of you know, experiences where I do move on, um, it really, it, it's because I'm, I'm finished right now mm -hmm. and finished right now is, can be a mantra. Am I finished right now? Oh, I this love thing that. Right now. Yeah. Uh, because then I can be, I, I can still experience the sense of completion that allows me to start something new without feeling like I have loose ends and threads that are following me throughout That's the day. That's a really good point. So what is that again? Let's write that down. Am I finished right now? Am I finished right now? Yeah, because yeah. 
because that's I mean it's it, finished I know for people who like me who believe words have meanings <laughs> finished does connote finished at the end but I do think as a play as a mantra and a play on words finished right now as a question does give me a sense of uh, I've gotten to the end of all the tasks I could possibly do to the best of my ability and I'm ready to move on to something else or play a video game or take a walk. And that puts it, it puts a very much more positive spin on it. And, you know, it's interesting because like in my, in my manager, my task manager system, that one, I have a tag and it's uh, pending. It's just a pending tag. That is a word that I've always used. So it resonates with me, but it's the same thing as what we're talking about. We're waiting for somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I never realized this before until we started talking about this. But when I put things into pending, there is actually a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would want people to feel is have a sense of relief and add that in my am I finished right now and have that be a positive thing and, and be able to do whatever is, is next for you. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is great. Thank you. Thank you for not seeing my outline. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope it's useful for somebody to listen to Pete bleed all over the podcast for a little bit. Uh, And thanks for, to Dodge seriously, because when we, we, he and I had that conversation and we both just sort of, you know, our minds just sort of blew that we both had kind of a different application of the exact same challenge with our ADHD. And that's always fun. Um, Fun in the way that you have when you (laughs) live with ADHD and (laughs) kind of relate to somebody else. And that's why too, Um, I wanted at the very beginning for us to kind of cover like what's happening in your mind so that you don't think that, oh, this is just me being stupid or crazy or lazy or not wanting to do the work or not caring. No, this is your ADHD impacting you in a very specific way. And you're certainly not alone because look at what, I mean, just he asks the question and both you and Melissa were like, yes, 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 I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I get it. Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out and listening to the show. We appreciate your time and your attention. If you uh, have something you'd like to contribute to the episode, we'd love to hear it. Head over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server. You can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. Uh, definitely jump in there. I am sure we're not alone. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to, hear, love to hear your thoughts. So on behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.